Hey everyone, this is That Guy in Hutch, Jason Probst, and you're listening to that podcast in Hutch. Today I have two guests in, actually three guests. Um, I have three guests and eight legs in the studio today um, because one of the guests is Emerald, a black lab guide dog, but I also have Eric Rivera, who is the executive director of Beyond Barriers, which you might formally know as the Prairie Independent Living Resource Center. And I also have Kelly Miller, who is uh, a consumer, a former staff member, and a current board member of Beyond Barriers. And we're going to talk a little bit about the work they do, the work they've done in the community, and I think have a very good conversation about um, life with disabilities and maybe explore some things that people don't often consider. So, Kelly, Erica, thanks for being in today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. I'll say hi, Emerald. Hi, Emerald. Thanks for coming in today. But he's busy with something down there. So tell me a little bit about Beyond Barriers. You guys, first let's start with this. You had a name change this year. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about that process and maybe why you went through uh, making a name change? Okay. Well, um, we've been known as Prairie Independent Living Resource Center since 1998. Um, I've been there 15 years, and I'm always telling people, having to explain what we do. Um, I think when the nursing facility started using the independent living, um, that terminology, so people are very confused about what we did. They we get calls often if we have beds available. Um, people think we're a nursing facility. I mean, the name didn't really explain what we do. So the the. So, Erica, you're saying that in over time, another industry, like basically the, the skilled care mm-hmm. industry, kind of took over the or used the term yeah. independent living, and that became kind of synonymous with elder care. And, uh, and so people were a little confused about what Pillar did. Right. And so I know you guys went through this. So how did you come and, and uh, to the term of beyond barriers? Because I know you went through a lot of... There, this wasn't just a name you pulled out of the sky. There was a lot of no, process no. to that. No, um, but we worked on that for about a year and a half. We interviewed stakeholders. Um, we all put out names that we liked, and they gave us a bunch of options. I mean, how many names do you think we had on that list? Kelly? Oh, two or three hundred. It was a lot. And all of that stemmed from not only interviewing stakeholders in the community, but sitting through many, many meetings, trying to figure out what our communication was. And I think that that was the main issue that we had as we were Prairie Independent Living Resource Center. And then people would ask, what do you do? And you know, you'd have to go through the whole spiel of all the things that we could possibly do. So it was narrowing down that communication, figuring out what our communication was, and then the name came from that. So and beyond barriers, I mean, that's what we do. We help people get beyond those, those barriers so they can live independently. So let's talk about that a little bit. In, 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 your, in your world, uh, you have consumers who are or people that have a disability, and the barriers are what? I know there's a ton of, I mean, there's, I mean, I know there's a ton of them, but, but, but we were talking a little bit before the recording that there, there are, and I think, Kelly, you had a great saying that the people aren't broken, the, the society or the system around the people is what's broken. Yeah. I can't speak for everybody with disabilities, but um, people 
with disabilities aren't people who need to be fixed. They're not broken. They don't need healed. It's it's the community community that they live in that just needs a little bit of change in order to make everything accessible to them. So in Hutchinson, Reno County, and the area you serve, which I think is bigger than Reno County, mm-hmm. um, how many how many consumers do you serve? Um, last year we served six hundred and fifty eight individuals. And that's uh, not just in Reno County. No. Um, Well, we have two satellite offices. We have an office in Pratt and serving counties around there, and then we have one in Dodge City. Um, Our older blind program covers 60 counties, so we're all over. Mostly, and so that older blind blind program covers most of the southwest part of the state? It actually goes clear north, North. all the way up to the Nebraska border. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So that is a a really big area. (laughs) We have two staff members for that. Wow. (laughs) Wow. So tell me, I mean, knowing that you have so many uh, consumers that, that use your services, can we talk a little bit about why what you do is so important to them? Or maybe, Kelly, can you talk about this? Yeah. Um, you know, if you don't have a disability right now, the chances at some point in your life you're going to have a disability, you're temporarily able-bodied, mm-hmm. uh, whether that disability is at the end of your life or um, something temporary that happens, you know, midway through or something permanent that happens, you know, a car accident or something like that. Um, we are a place where people of any age with any disability can come to us with questions about Uh, you know, what's my next step? How do I transition from the hospital to my own home? How do I get into my own home? How do I access employment? Um, Just how do I live independently? Uh, And we're the only service, the only organization in Reno County, I believe, that provides that service to all people with all types of disabilities. And a a majority of the staff members who do work at Beyond Barriers are people with disabilities. And board members. Right. So you know, we may have experienced something that they're going through and just being able to be that support. And so throughout your, throughout your structure at Beyond Barriers, you, 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 you make sure you have people both on staff and on the governing body that uh, have some firsthand experience with what it's like to try to live, live life or live in our, uh, live, live with a disability and understands the barriers that are out there. Right. Right. Yes. Um, so there was there was something that that we talked about that or that I think Kelly you had mentioned that I wanted to come back to this this idea that you might be healthy you might live you know be going along and everything's going great but um, the idea that you could end up with a disability at any moment in time um, for any number of reasons because of a a health issue or because of an accident um, Talk about that a little bit because I think a lot of people don't ever consider that. They just, they're kind of like going from day to day to day and maybe don't consider that they might one day need services. And so I imagine on your end, you may, you may interact with uh, consumers who find themselves in that, in that situation that they maybe didn't expect to ever need anything, but here they are. Uh, yeah, of course. And, and you can't really plan for it until you know what that disability might end up being. Yeah. Um, and like I said, a lot of people, it, it, it might just be 
older in life, later in life, you, you just can't do stairs anymore. Or you can't um, see to read your medication bottles or you can't see to pour your own coffee or um, you just have problems accessing your doctor. Um, you, you don't know, you can't drive anymore and you don't know how to get to where you need to go. Um, and at, at Beyond Barriers, everyone there is there to help you through every step of what you need. Uh, we're not going to send you elsewhere, of course, unless that's absolutely necessary. But if we do send you somewhere else we're to, to right access something, you. we're going to go with you. And so you, you're kind of working as a case management system with people, right, to make sure they're not being shipped around from place to place to try to get into it. You know, like, oh, go here to get this one thing and go to this other place to get another thing. Kind of we making walk. sure that you're pulling all the resources into one place right. to mm -hmm. make that easier, right? Yeah. Many people are going through enough. I mean, if we can help alleviate some of that extra stress, I mean, that's what we're going to do. Yeah, because especially if you've, you know, um, if you're being asked to navigate individual systems one at a time, that's pretty overwhelming, mm -hmm. I would imagine, for anyone trying to figure out, okay, I've got to get this one piece of the puzzle here and another piece here and go around. That's It seems completely burdensome for anybody that's just trying to live live yeah. life. Frustrating. It's a lot of unnecessary clutter. Yeah, a <laughs> to lot have of to clutter. go through. <laughs> so, you know, thinking about this and knowing or pulling in a little bit of the shred of information I have about some of the history around this, there would have been a time, I imagine, where um, we didn't try so hard before independent living centers, where we didn't try so hard to to navigate, to help people navigate this. I mean, there was an era where um, people with disabilities were largely marginalized and just kind of discounted and, uh, I hate to say it, but a little bit of out of sight, out of mind. Is that an accurate assessment maybe of how uh, we maybe tried to address the issue of disability at, at one time in our history? Well, people are either isolated to their homes because they can't get anywhere else yeah. or they're shipped God. off to an institution. Right. Pretty much everybody followed the medical model of disability where people with disabilities are something to be fixed or cured or healed. And now it's the social model of disability yeah. where it's society that needs to change. And so the social model is, is kind of what is deployed at Beyond Barriers. Mm -hmm. It says we're not, we're not here to cure the problem or no. cure the person. We are here to look at the environment, fix the environment. I think that we help people to, to figure out how to best fit the environment that they're in through accessibility and advocacy. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think too, just so many people with disabilities are told what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to live. And you know, you can come to Beyond Barriers and we're consumer driven, it's not our life. I mean, it's their life. So we don't tell people how to live. And they, you know, we might make some suggestions, but ultimately, you know, just like everybody, you have to learn, you know, you from your mistakes. Mistakes, and just because you have a disability doesn't mean, you know, you just get like a free pass and things yeah. like that. <clears throat> well, so I like this idea that it's cons that it's consumer driven, right. right? So that they, it's not that a consumer comes to you and you say, oh, you've got to do X, Y, and Z right. to qualify for our help they mm -hmm. come to you and say this is what I need to live the life that I want to live which is like a, the essence of freedom right mm -hmm. yeah. that I want to live the life I want to live and so they come and say this is what I envision my life looking like and your work then is to try to 
funnel the resources mm -hmm. so that they can live that life. Yeah. And and make it so that you can break down those barriers, right. like you're saying. Okay. So we talked a little bit before the recording too about some ways that you do that, looking at kind of like structurally what you do in terms of like programming and, and what you have available there. Can you walk through that a little bit about some of the programs that you have available? Yeah. Um, so the whole reason, you know, Independent Living Center started was for the Independent Living Program. And that consists of five core services, um, information and referral. Um, we get a lot of phone calls. We answer questions, you know, provide information, link them with other agencies too, if need be. And peer support, because most of us at Beyond Barriers are people with disabilities. And a lot of times the people that we serve, we're all they have. Mm -hmm. And so they know that they can call or come in at any time and we're there to offer peer support. Um, so independent living skills training, I mean, that can vary from budgeting, um, filling out housing applications, benefits. I mean, it's pretty much whatever, you know, I've helped somebody learn how to mow a lawn before. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> um, and then um, there's advocacy. We have individual and systems advocacy. We've gone to doctor's appointments, court hearings, um, various um, things like that and help teach the consumer to advocate for themselves. And then systems advocacy, advocating for curb cuts, um, accessible parking, you know, stalls, different things like that. And then we have transition services where we help individuals um, transition out of nursing facilities or working with high school age students, helping them transition into post-secondary education or into employment. Um, and so we have that, and then we have the older blind program that we talked about earlier, and that helps people 55 or older who have visual impairments. And we work with them on independent living skills, marking appliances, finding funding for equipment, assistive technology. Um, assistive technology would be? Maybe a screen reader. Okay. Or Digital a magnifier. magnifier or um, helping someone who maybe has a cell phone and um, learning how to use their, their phones and what uh, different apps are available out there for people with low vision. Okay. Um, and then we have our employment services and that um, we work on job readiness, job um, interviewing skills, job placement. Um, we do job tryouts. I, and I know you have an, an advocacy day for where employers in the community yeah. kind of, can you talk about that a little bit? Um, that is um, our annual event that we have the third Wednesday in October every year and it's called Disability Mentoring Day. So area high schools, um, they give us, uh, the students, um, pick some, about three places that they may be interested in working once they get out of high school or even during high school. And then we link them with a mentor so they go out and job shadow for the day. And it's, oh, it's just a great event. Like I love hearing the students come back and share their experience and what they've learned. And I mean, it teaches employers too that people with disabilities can work and wanna work. And I think too, encouraging high school students with disabilities that is okay to work, you know, um, 
I mean, I think some of the students or young kids are taught about just living off disability, and mm -hmm. we try to teach them too that you can make more <laughs> money and. Yeah, and so it, it's another it's another way of breaking. I mean, early on breaking down barriers, yeah. right? And, but on both ends, where employers are more likely to to say, okay, th this is not something that I need to be worried about if I hire somebody with a disability, right. but also for for younger people. Um, to show them that you you can pick a you can actively choose a career and you can actively decide that I want to to do this and then you can get exposed to that in a in a, in a smaller way to see that that it's something that you're you like or maybe you don't like it or whatever and you change right. your mind right but you get at least some exposure there yeah. right some of the kids definitely do a, a job shadowing day where they come back and say, well, I definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> oh, there are some great stories. And I personally think it's great because I think that it does expose some of those employers to these young people with disabilities who are obviously interested in working, but as a person who has held many different jobs as a person with a vision disability, um, people with disabilities tend to work a little harder. They tend to show up more because they appreciate the privilege of being able to work. Mm -hmm. And we have to think outside of the box every day just to do the little things that people do without thinking about them. And that's the people that you want to have in your business is the people who are gonna be thinking outside the box and thinking creatively and, and really putting in that effort, so. so it, I want to stick on this a little bit because this is interesting to me because I hadn't thought about this in this way. But um, yeah, somebody with a disability, whatever it might be, is a like there is a they are constantly solving problems on on a daily or even an hourly or a moment by moment basis, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because they have to navigate a world often that's not built for them. Yes, right. right. And that so that. That's a, so for an employer, that way, I mean, that would be very additive. Actually, oh, yes. in many parts of life, that's very additive, right? Yes. People with disabilities aren't the problem creators, we're the problem solvers. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I like to refer to the salt and pepper problem. If you have salt and pepper shakers that look and feel the same, a blind person can't tell the difference. And so stick a rubber band around one of them, and that's the pepper. <laughs> that's <a laughs> But those are the sort of like small innovations that come out of that, right? Yes. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you see that. Um, so I went, and Kelly, I, I don't know if you would be okay talking about your vision. I'm an open book. Okay. And then, I, and then maybe that will give us a, a, a reason to talk about Emerald oh, yes. a little bit. So can you talk about your, uh, your disability? Yes. I have had vision problems all my life. I had oxygen as a baby. Um, they think that caused the holes and tears in my retinas. I had... Um, bilateral scleral buckling, which is a procedure to stabilize my eyes when I was four, so I have silicone bands around my eyes. Everything was really stable for the next 26 years. Um, I actually had a career in radiology um, for almost 10 years. And when I turned 30, uh, <laughs> it all started to go down the drain, I guess. Um, it was quite an adjustment. I developed cataracts and then had cataract surgery, which corrected all of my nearsightedness. But then we figured out that my optic nerves were dying. Um, so now I have one eye that just is light and shadow perception. The other eye, I have a little, just a little area um, kind of toward the bottom corner where it's like looking through a hole in wax paper. 
uh, so I can see just enough to get myself in trouble. Mm. Um, I just recently got a guide dog. I had to wait two and a half years for that just because that's how long it takes. Um, I'm a massage therapist, so I'm able to work independently, which is amazing. Um, at Beyond Barriers, when I was uh, working there, I, man, it was a struggle. <laughs> I sat um, next to her. <laughs> my disability has been, um, my vision loss has been gradual. So I, when that was kind of at full force um, and I was actively losing most of my eyesight, I was working at Beyond Barriers and I had a really hard time accepting that I had a disability. And finally, in my late 30s, I figured out that life is a lot easier when you can advocate for yourself and maybe ask for a little bit of help. And I was not open to using a long white cane. I didn't want people to look at me funny. I felt like um, it, it just didn't fit into my life, but I had to learn how to get around with a white cane in order to get a dog. Mm. Um, but it's just, you know, with the whole advocacy piece, I, I figured out that long white cane <laughs> uh, made all the difference in the world. I had this new sense of confidence where I didn't have to explain myself because I don't present as a person with disability. Mm -hmm. I don't, whatever it means, I, I don't look blind, <laughs> I've been told. So <laughs> whatever blind is supposed to look like, that's not me. <laughs> uh, the guide dog now kind of gives that away and the cane did. but. Um, with with those items in place, I felt a lot better about asking for help because I didn't have to explain why. Yeah. So that's kind of my journey to where I am right now. Was it, so before before that was it a little bit exhausting to I mean, to explain why you needed help? Yes. Yeah. I had to call my husband one time to send somebody in to figure out how to get me out of the uh, restroom at a movie theater because it was too dark. I didn't have my cane and I was feeling my way around. Oh so, wow! Yeah. So those are the sort of things that, I mean, somebody that experiences that firsthand understands that somebody who doesn't is just has yes. no idea that that's, yes. that there are these issues in the world that, that need to be addressed or that Nobody are, else thinks about them, but yet they're a huge source of stress and anxiety for a person who has disability. And oh. it's crazy. I mean, I go anywhere and I'm always looking for accessibility and I'm like, I go and explain. I'm like, you know that stall out there? <laughs> yeah. I was like, there's no signage, proper signage. I was like, anybody can park there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's an that's an interesting thing, right? You, the you since you work so closely in this area, and both of you, um, you you must look at the world probably through that lens, like you were saying. And I don't look at it through that lens. So how do we, if if we can have a little exercise here? How can someone like me do a better job of looking at the world through the lens of somebody with a disability? So, so I have an answer to that that could segue into something else, and that would be to educate yourself about disability awareness and uh, learn things like person-first language oh, yeah. and disability etiquette because it'll make you right. it'll open your mind to um, different issues that people might have. Okay. But I mean, so, it's there's so, yeah, the people first language. And. I think that would be really useful because I think people don't know. I think people do get hung up on, I don't, I think sometimes people use the wrong language and they don't mean to and they don't mm -hmm. think about right. it. Right. And I think, you know, you're so used to, you know, you grew up and heard the word handicap and, yeah. you know, we don't use that. We say 
accessible stall, accessible parking. Well, I even asked her the other day, I'm like, what do we say about a person who uses a wheelchair? Like, how do we do that now? I just, it's so, like, it, I don't know, I guess just for me, I just, I'm so used to disability, you just don't even think about disability. It's just, this, like I said before, it's your person, you know, before the disability. Mm -hmm. Well, and then, so like I have actually experienced, especially now that I have Emerald and most certainly when I was using the cane more because Emerald doesn't necessarily indicate to people blindness. He could be like a seizure dog or mm -hmm. whatever, but I don't know how many times Josh and I would go to a restaurant and they'd say, oh, okay, you know, what does she oh, want to gosh, drink? that drives me nuts. And I would say, actually, I would love a glass of your best Cabernet. Thank you. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, the disability etiquette part. Yeah, don't lean on somebody's wheelchair. Um, Roger used to tell a story about how he was trying to cross a busy street. I think he was going to the Capitol in Topeka, maybe? I don't remember. Did You knew Roger. I knew Roger, yeah. And he had his long white cane. He wasn't with anybody. And this woman stopped and said, oh, sir, can I help you across the street? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. So she grabs the end of his cane and drags <laughs> him across the street. Oh. And it's like... <clears throat> No, that's not what you do. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I know I was his sighted guide once and, you know, he was a big guy. Yeah. And we were walking. He freaking stepped on my toe, like broke my flip flop, broke my toe. <laughs> and that. then he didn't even offer to replace my flip flops. That was so bad. <laughs> I mean, and I guess, yeah, too, like just, just because somebody has a disability, just assuming they need help, you know, ask. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. And I think it, even even well-intentioned people don't know exactly what to do. And and I, I think sometimes they want, they have a desire to be helpful, but they can sometimes very much do the wrong thing, right? right? Like grabbing the end of the white cane or assuming somebody wants help when they may not want help. Um, or assuming that you can't order for yourself, that, that you're, you know. It, and so so as, as, as some of us, navigate life on that that's a helpful thing to think about how would I is, is that I'm just trying to think about how I could do even myself a better job of that to say how would I imagine myself in a situation with a disability and and start to see the world a little bit differently I, I know any any time in any other area of life if I have a new experience I, I start to I start to see it differently or, mm -hmm. or like when you buy a new car and then you never notice all these same cars that are out there you start to see that in the world. Emerald's right. getting a drink right now, if you can hear <laughs> that sound back there. Um, and I just wonder if that's something that maybe people can do consciously to try to think through uh, and look at their world a little bit differently, and if that's a helpful thing for people to do. I, yeah, I don't think it would hurt. Yeah. I, I think mean, one of the best things that you can do, sorry about the drinking, is um, educate yourself and the best education that you're going to be able to get is from either people who provide services for people with disabilities or people with disabilities themselves like I said I'm an people. open book yeah. I love answering questions because the more people know and the more they understand yeah and most people want you to ask instead of just assuming so yeah we're very open people that's good. So just ask the question, yeah. right? Don't mm -hmm. I mean just ask and, and and do it with the spirit of understanding, right? right? Yeah. Well, that, I think that's really good. So in all these things that you do, um, we talked a little bit um, 
Some of some of your funding comes from Emerald's really, really happy right now. <laughs> he's got water. He's got... He's licking his Aunt Erica. He's got pets. <laughs> yeah. So it, we, we talked a little bit about um, funding mechanisms. Some of the work that you do, you have contracts with agencies, mm-hmm. right? But... but that those funds are pretty limited on what you can do, right? I mean, if you're doing if you're doing employment programming, the money that you get for that is allocated for that, right? And and probably pays for the staff and the programming of that. Right. But that's it. But the need is a lot more. And we were talking earlier about um, there are a lot of individualized needs for people, right. whether it's a ramp or whether it's some power um, chair, a power chair. chair or anything like that. Those are the sort of things that there's not really specified and dedicated funding for that. Is that right? Well, there's some organizations that we reach out to um, to fill out funding apps, but, you know, that's a long process. People need things like yesterday. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time it doesn't cover all of the expense. You might need $695 and all you can get is $450. Yeah, so you guys try to use some unrestricted funding to fill the gaps, right? That we have to apply for. Right, we have to apply. Yeah. So... So people can help, right? I mean, one thing they could they can do is just donate directly to to Beyond Barriers, right? right? And what's a good way to do that? Do you guys have an online presence? Yes, we do. Um, on our website, we have um, a donation page and PayPal and. Yeah. And of course, they can drive by the office, yeah. which is seventeen South seven. Main. And it's a pretty well-known building. It's uh, right there by... The cookie. Um, yeah, you can swing by and get a cookie <laughs> afterwards, right? And uh, the web address is? Uh, beyondbarriersks.com. Okay, beyondbarriersks.com? Yes. Okay. Okay. Or check us out on Facebook. Oh, yes. Always with the Facebook page, which will get you probably to your website right. also, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Very good. So... And, and and that's that's a really important thing, and I, I I don't feel share some of these stories. There's some of the some of the needs are really really specific, right? Once you get beyond the 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 programming, there's some really specific needs uh, that again there there may not be like a real structure for how to fund things like mm-hmm. that. But you both told stories about even going into your own homes or getting money in your own pockets to f- fund some of these things because they're just going to make life better for right. people. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give me a couple of examples of, I mean, we talked a, f- a, a few of those before, but a couple of examples. I mean, um, I when I was providing direct services, um, you know, I I worked with a lot of individuals who just come, came up short, you know, at the end of the month, just different things, who were struggling with food, you know, maybe had already used their their time at the food bank and different things like that. I Countless times I've gone through my cupboards, gave food, um, microwaves, blankets, clothes, shoes. Just anything that people need, <laughs> Anything right? that, yeah, I could find that I would. The kids are like, what are you doing? They're like, they knew I was taking it to work. (laughs) (laughs) I worked with a gentleman who was um, in his 60s and had lost his eyesight um, due to macular degeneration. And he really just wanted to get up every morning and and fry his bacon. And he wanted to be able to do it on his own. But he had a black Teflon skillet and bacon is, of course, darker in color. And he just, he needed something high contrast to be able to see what he was doing because he could see a little bit. And... Uh, there was no funding for ceramic light-colored skillets, of course, so I just went and bought him one. Um, 
and that made all the difference in the world. He was able to cook his bacon. <laughs> so it's, you know, a $20 fix. Uh, but at Beyond Barriers, we don't have the that funding. And right. it, it all has to go to what it's supposed to go to. So and even your little $20 donation could go to help somebody make their own bacon. And, right? then, and, and doing something like that is really adding to the quality of someone's life, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if you have this thing that you can do that you want to do every day, then other parts of your life probably start to fall or feel a little better too, mm -hmm. right? And I'm, I think, you know, I, in the Hutch office for sure, a lot of the staff, um, you know, we, I go through my closet, clean it out, whatnot. Everybody like brings their donations down to the office. So, you know, people can come in off the street. I mean, we have clothing, you know, available for people and other organizations uh, sometimes donate to us as well. So we give everything away, but then if we're, because we do have a small office, mm -hmm. so we don't have a lot of storage. So when we start to get a little bit of excess donations, we'll put everything out and post, do a free Friday. It's like a, a garage sale, but free. Yeah. <laughs> So then you then then you're letting your consumers know that we we may have something that you need down here or something that yeah. will be helpful. Yeah, we have helpful. a little corner in the office, so people always know when they can come in. Whatever's over there is up for grabs. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Whether it's clothes or food clothes, or canned food. Okay. I mean, we keep hygiene items and different things in the back, but you know, yeah, we are always have a little bit of everything that you yeah. can. Yeah. Some snacks. <laughs> you know, sometimes people come in hungry and. So we always try to keep some food on hand. and So there's little things like that, but then there's also, um, speaking as a person with a vision disability, um, the technology that's available that's out there can be very expensive. Mm -hmm. um, so I just needed something several years ago to be able to read my mail. Um, you know, is this junk or is this actually something that I need and then what's inside? And that device was $899. Um, made all the difference in the world for the time that I could use it, but I'm beyond that being effective for me now. So I turned around and donated it to Beyond Barriers. Um, luckily, the iPhone is a visually impaired person's best friend <laughs> with the advancements that have been made with that. So um, I, I don't necessarily need that $899 piece of equipment. Because I've got my iPhone, but so can you can you explain that to me? How how does the iPhone help? Uh, with this last update, uh, I think for iOS 16, um, it's down to you can snap a picture of something that has um, any sort of text on it, and mm -hmm. then there's one little icon that you hit and it highlights the text and then it'll read it to you. Oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, I used to have an app. Well, I still have the app, but there was a sp specific app for that. And now it's just built into the iPhone. So there's also um, photo description. It's pretty basic, but. But it'll look at a photo and describe what's yeah. in the photo. It'll tell me if it's a white shoe or a black shoe. Okay. We used to play with that, this one app and would take pictures and it was like, took a picture of me. It says, like, I'm a 57-year-old man. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it looks angry. So there's a fun game you can play with the with that app, too, right? Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I want to explore that a little bit. The, the, I imagine technology in a lot of ways has helped uh, because it seems like there's always some, I mean, I had never thought of that before, but something that can read a photo and or convert a photo and, and language to text probably is helpful. I know voice to text is probably helpful. Mm -hmm. Is there other technology or other advances out there or things that I don't know about that would 
that have been really kind of remarkable? I can't, I don't know the name of the, the item, but there's uh, the item that you could take and scan barcodes mm -hmm. at the store and it'll tell you um, everything. Oh yeah, it's called ID pin or something or, yeah. like that. Or the one that does the navigation too. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also, for the iPad, um, so I worked with a person uh, who had a neurological disorder that prevented him from being able to speak. And if we could have found funding, we could have gotten him an iPad with an app to where he was um, with it enough that, uh, you know, technology-wise, he was younger, he would have been able to walk into a grocery store and tell a clerk, this is, you know, I, I can't find this specific item. I mean, you can form complete sentences with it, and it's just with the tap of a few buttons, but um, couldn't find the funding, so he never oh. got the item. Um, that, that type of thing can be life-changing for somebody. I mean, if you can't even verbalize that you have a headache right. or that your lungs hurt or that you have knee pain, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, to be able to form sentences and, and use words. And communicate your you needs need. and wants with And people, all it would right? have taken was an iPad and an app. Yeah. Wow. And that's where these unrestricted funds are really useful, right, oh, yeah. for something yeah. like that. You may not have uh, program funding that pays for that, but these unrestricted funds can do exactly that, right? Maybe buy an iPad and, and an app for somebody so they can have conversations with people that they engage in in their world. Yeah. Yep. Or it could be something as simple as a... Uh, a little $14 device that you hang over your coffee cup so that when a, a person with a vision disability has breakfast and coffee with their buddies, they can pour their own coffee because the um, when the coffee hits the prongs at the right level, it buzzes. So I've seen that happen, seen the, the smiles that <laughs> magically appear on people's faces because they can pour their own coffee or their own you know ice water or whatever. Yeah, and that's empowering. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. So that's so. When you're thinking about giving this year, the, the, keep these in mind because this is and, and this is a good, very direct way to help people, right? Um, I'm kind of curious about the kind of consumer process, like let it, and, and and maybe have you walk me through if I if I get a hold of Beyond Barriers and I say I've I've found myself with a disability and I and I don't know what to do. Kind of walk me through a little bit that from the intake process okay. all the way through um, and, and, and what I might, I guess what I would need to know, anybody that's listening may end up needing to call you at one point or another in life. So what, what would, first what would they do and then what can they expect? Okay. So when you call um, and make a referral, we take down your information and it goes through the referral process. We have a rotation. Um, so depending on which department um, we feel that the referral needs to go to, it's assigned to a staff member. We do have 72 hours to contact an individual. Um, so they will um, set up the appointment and we meet where they want to meet. I mean, you can come to our office, we'll go to your home. If you feel more comfortable meeting at a library, McDonald's, I mean, we meet the consumer where they're at. Mm -hmm. um, and then, I mean, we fill out an intake packet. Um, we don't ask for any documentation of your disability. Uh, we do have a, a form that you sign. If you believe that you can benefit from our services, then we're gonna help you. Um, we do goal development and, I mean, the consumer, it's consumer driven. Um, so the consumer sets the goals. They set their own goals. We, we don't tell people, you know, how to live or 
like I said, we, we will offer some suggestions. Um, and it's not just the staff doing the work, it's the consumer mm -hmm. and the staff. Um, I mean, it's a fairly easy process and then we work with you as long as you want to. I mean, you know, I don't provide direct services. I do still work with a few people and I work with somebody who I've worked with for 15 years now. So we're in your life as long as you want us to be. So it, it's it, it's again an individual an individual driven decision, right. right? I may want you for a year to help me get to a or place. Just for one, you know, filling out an RCAT application yeah. or a housing application, and then you're you're you know you don't need us, but we're always there whenever you decide to come back if you need to. And uh, Heather comes to see me once a year at tax time to help me organize my receipts because if my husband does it, we'll probably one of us will not make it through the process <laughs> uh, because I want to do it my way. And if somebody else helps me, then a good system. Then uh, they might think that their way is better, but my way is actually the way that it needs to be done. And Heather definitely accommodates that. Uh, another good point is that there is no charge for our services okay. and there's also yes. no means testing. So it doesn't, we don't care what your income is. Uh, we just want to help you. Right. Oh, that's very good. So if I, if I present in your office and say, I need help, there's it's really not a questions asked situation, right? No, I mean, we'll ask some questions, but <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah, but disability, I mean, we have a lot of people that come in and they're like, oh, I'm not sure, you know. And you don't have to be receiving any disability. You don't have to be on any sort of government program to get help from us. Yeah, no questions asked, we'll help, yeah. So for for the, just and just to help people understand what, so any, that, that create, that then allows a pretty broad spectrum of disability. We can be talking about any uh, mental, emotional disability to severe physical disability yeah. and everything in between, all right? All disabilities, okay. all ages. I'd like to thank a few of the people who've helped make that podcast and Hutch possible. My son Mitchell Probst wrote and recorded the music for the show. Jenny Brigette put together some great graphics and promotional art. And Chris Acker helps overcome my mistakes to produce a great sounding product every episode. That podcast in Hutch is made possible through a collaboration between the Hutchison Arts and Culture Collective and Salt City Sound. They're working to bring resources and infrastructure to support art, music, and storytelling in our community. If you have an idea for your own podcast, reach out to them at podcasts at saltcitysound.net. If you enjoy that podcast and Hutch, be sure to subscribe and share it with all your friends. You can also help support this production by subscribing to thatguyandhutch.substack.com or by emailing me at thatguyandhutch at gmail.com to learn about sponsorship opportunities. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Salt City Sound Production.